What's next? Welcome to another episode of What's Next. The purpose of this show is to talk about exactly that. What is next? What comes after? Tragedy, love, anxiety, risks? You fill in the blank. I will cover topics I've experienced. I'll have guests speak about their situation. And hopefully you as a listener will also send in your topic requests. And together we will find out what's next. Well, (laughs) welcome back. Season two. Season two or the second chapter or the next chapter of what's next. Whatever you want to call it, we're back. Um, starting off a new a new series, I guess, um, if you want to call that. Um, today, good evening, good afternoon, uh, whatever time you're listening, thank you for taking the opportunity to stop whatever you're doing and turn this on and listen to what, uh, what I have to say. Um, today, we're going to talk about perspectives. Um, there's a lot to be said, a lot that has been said over time, and a lot of ground to cover with that. I'm not sure if this will be a one-parter or if this is going to go on to multiple episodes. We'll see where we get on in this episode, but thank you for listening. I hope that uh, you uh, enjoy the uh, topic, and so stick around for what's coming up on perspectives will come back in just a second well as was mentioned earlier thank you for dropping in stopping by taking time to listen uh let's get started here um so we're going to talk about um some perspectives um we're going to catch up on the what's next for what's next uh, <laughs> and uh, just some of the things that uh we uh have happened over time. We'll kind of catch up a little bit on that and then uh, go a little further. Um, as always, uh, I uh, want to reiterate, I've said it over the last season that I'm no psychologist or doctor and I don't claim to be one, nor do I play one on TV. Uh, but uh, just a guy that's uh, been through some experiences and wants to share my story and uh, give a platform for others to share their story. Um, for those of you who didn't listen to previous episodes or last uh, season, um, a lot of this started with the um, the death of my father, um, which was, of course, untimely and unexpected um, because it was the result of uh, him taking his own life, um, something that uh, was uh, even then um, unexplainable. And to this day, I still don't have words to um, really, uh, give reasons why, um, because I don't have those answers, but I have found ways to cope and ways to make it through it. And, um, this all started as a, as a place of therapy for me, um, to be able to talk about, uh, what I went through and what I experienced and the hope of the podcast and the premise of all of this was, uh, to be able to help others um, who face uh, depression and anxiety and heartache and pain and and just going through the day-to-day 
uh, rush of life and the anxiety that uh, overwhelms and the um, the pressures uh, to be uh, better than we are, I guess. Um, so the whole onset of this was was to help with that. And so one of the things I wanted to um, talk about first off was uh, getting into the subject of perspectives. Um, and and again, it'll, it uh, hopefully uh, by the end of this episode we'll have um, do- delved, dove, dived, I don't know which word. We'll get into <laughs> the meat of the subject and... Uh, and again, I told you guys I'm not a super smart guy, but I, I do the best I can. But anyway, uh, hopefully we'll be able to really, really expound. There you go. There's a big word. <laughs> expound upon um, this subject and, and kind of what we're going through. So the first thing um, I want to cover uh, is uh, about um, some things that have recently um, occurred um, in and around um, uh, my children. So, you know, they are pretty young. Um, they're both in elementary, and they go to an elementary school. And uh, so in elementary, you would think that something like anxiety, stress, all of these things, uh, it's an adult thing. It's something that adults deal with. And it's surely nothing that um, children have to face or worry or worry about. And so uh, you just move forward and you don't expect, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I I don't remember worrying about much except for what uh, toy I was going to get or what I was going to play next or what I was going to do. And now we have these kids that are, I mean, the way that they talk, um, the things that they say, uh, it's it's insane. Um, so <clears throat> we made the decision this year to allow our children to have our children's listen to me to allow our children <laughs> to have cell phones. Um, teach his own. I know that I said a year ago I would never do it. Um, then we dropped our son off at a birthday party. We t- we took off. We didn't know the parents. We didn't know much about what was. Uh, happening at the party. We left our son. We took off. And about 10 minutes later, we said, uh, we don't really know the parents too well. Uh, we know the kid. It's from school. But we left our son there. We, How are we going to get a hold of him? But it's so we begin to think, maybe we should get him a phone. Maybe we should, uh, you know. And and we have done our best. Where We've put software on there that we can track their text messages and uh, other things, and some people would say, well, that's invasion of privacy, but the way I look at it, when they're my children, um, they don't need privacy, not in elementary school, I'm sorry. So, you know, we do have things on there, and it's for their protection. So, where am I going with this? So, my son, um, he is in the fifth grade, so um, he's in his last year before he goes to middle school, Growing up, about to hit that uh, the big middle of the road um, in his schooling, about to you know have one kid out of elementary, and so anyway, he's talking with his friends, and um, you know we uh, we pick up his phone and we kind of look through it a little bit because that's what parents do. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, we do have trust in our children, and our children do tell us everything, and especially my son, he is. Uh, he will tattletale on himself in a heartbeat. So um, I don't really worry too much about him. He's a he's a pretty good guy. 
uh, for the most part on his own. But um, but anyway, we you know went through some messages and we could see how these you know children really fifth grade um, you know ten year nine ten and eleven year olds talking about you know how life is uh, hard and how they don't want to live and things like. Uh, Hey, what are you up to? Are you still alive? You weren't responding. And, you know, a simple response to that. And the kid's like, yes, I'm alive, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, I had to be alive another day. And uh, what was me? And, and uh, it's like, man, I, I just can't believe that at that age that kids are feeling so much pressure uh, to the point where they are already saying they don't want to live. And you come to find out that there's things that these kids have gone through, you know, um, divorce uh, with their parents and separation. And um, and I have not experienced that in my life, but uh, others I've talked to over the years, um, you know, have said that that's, you know, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to go through, um, you know. And so I, I can imagine, you know, the kids going through that and, um, you know, there's all the different schools of thought, you know, if it's a dangerous situation, it's better for the kid to get out of it, you know, before things get worse and things, it's better, you know, than to force to stay together and, and have a, uh, a volatile situation. Um, but no matter what, no matter what the reason, no matter what the outcome, um, you know, the kids are going to get hurt because they don't understand and they, they don't accept it. And, you know, they, they want their family to be together. And so, um, you know, I guess that's one of the major things that, you know, we've come to find out, but even in that, you know, um, my own daughter, uh, and I guess the term is just thrown around so loosely. Um, she's in school and this teacher's really horrible to her apparently. And we're trying to investigate this now, but it's just mean and, cruel and to the point that you know my daughter says things like you know if I have to deal with this lady again I just don't want to live and we're like hey 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 let's not say things like that but why why do you feel this way and so it's uh it's definitely telling of the world that uh we're living in you know when when children are facing this in elementary you know, you think back over the last 10 years, um, the kinds of things that children have had to face. Um, you know, you got the Sandy Hook, you know, school um, with the shooting um, and all the children losing their lives. And and uh, the one in Florida, uh, the school there, and of course the nightclub and, um, and the grocery store or at El Paso and um, the mail truck and... and, and uh, you know, the city and people just driving around shooting people. And um, you just think about all the dangers and all the things that we have to worry about as parents. You know, it's scary. Um, and uh, so, anyways, thinking about, you know, just, just from a parent parental side, I think about the worry and the stress that I have about the safety of my kids. But, you know, I never considered my children and their stress levels and, you know, what, what they're worried about and what they're facing and what they're dealing with and what they're going through. Um, you know, so the kids, it's a reality for them. My kids tell me about, you know, things that were never the case when I was a kid, you know, Hey dad, today is, uh, today's one of the days we're going to have our emergency drills, you know, and they're, you know, telling us we're going to practice on what to do if, 
you know, a bad man comes in with a gun to kill everybody, and you know, so we gotta, we gotta, we gotta practice and be ready. And uh, don't get me wrong, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that the school's practicing this, and that uh, you know that they're getting ready and that they're uh, protecting. And um, I think that's awesome. But at the same time, it's like, wow, you know, again, what the world do we live in? I mean, it's crazy where our kids in elementary school have to be afraid of this thing. And, um, and the anxiety and the fear, you know, um, you know, they come home and tell me, you know, dad, they told us that to get in the corner and get under the desk, but, you know, I was worried about what if somebody kicks the door in and, or there's glass in the classroom. What if they shoot the glass out and climb over and, you know, and just, they're just living in a state of fear. And, um, it seems like, and again, this is going into that perspective thing, but from the perspective that I have, it seems like. You know, the world is, uh, it's a scary place these days. And um, the perspective could be, could be, um, you know, that we we got to be on guard at all times. And I, I think there's truth to that. Um, I do, personally. Um, but uh, it depends who you ask. You know, there are people that are buying all these guns and loading up and uh, getting weapons and teaching their kids, you know, how to defend themselves and how to be ready for what's to come, you know, in the future. And then you have other parents that are teaching their kids how to hide and how to stay away from things. And, um, <laughs> you know, and then you you just have the different schools of thought on what to do and how to prepare. And, and you have other parents not doing anything. Um, but um, one thing I, I don't think, and again, from... Um, again, my perspective is that anyone should ever live in total fear um, because then you'll never do anything. You'll never go anywhere. You'll never uh, enjoy anything if you live in a, in a constant state of, of fear. Um, but fear and anxiety are, are real things. Um, you know, I've had conversations um, with, uh, with people about um, about different topics, um, and one of the things that I've talked about, you know, with uh, with different several different people um, over the years, and uh, has been um, the subject of of uh, anger and aggression and dealing with things. And you know, I think about myself and how I deal with certain things, um, and thinking about where my stress levels are and where my anxiety level is and depression and all those things. And, you know, I, I don't really, I don't really get upset about much. Um, you know, my, my friends will, will tell you, my family will tell you, um, I am, uh, I'm one of the slow to anger, slow to wrath kind of guys. I just, I don't really get angry at a lot. I've, I've learned through the years to just kind of let things roll off my back and, when asked about it, it's like, well, how, how do you do that? How do you, you know, how do you not get angry? And, um, and it's not that I don't get angry. It's just that I don't get angry at certain things, you know, certain things I've decided, I've just decided weren't important enough to get mad at. Um, and so the things that were important were the things where I would get angry at. And, um, even still, um, that doesn't make that the, uh, the right, uh, the right way to be or, or whatnot. And so, 
um, where am I going with this thought? Um, you know, just as far as um, trying to give an example of a perspective here, um, in terms of dealing with being uh, angry or upset, um, and where that where that can lead to, um, I have over the years, um, you know, tried to. Uh, train my kids and show them how you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to act and um, where I'm going with this is that I've told people you know it's uh, it's something I've decided it's something I've purposed it's something that uh, I have just made a choice that you know this isn't going to bother me and I'm going to be better I'm going to do better and so that's what I did that's what you should do is that a true statement even though I said it yes it's true that I said it but doesn't mean I'm right. <laughs> and therein lies the million dollar question, statement, whatever you want to call it. And so I want to begin to talk about perspectives and kind of give um, a list, a list of perspectives that there are out there and kind of talk about, um, you know, personally in my own life, um, the perspectives that I have. And also talk about how those kind of affect um, certain situations and variables and whatnot. And so there are, in modern psychology, again, I am not a psychologist. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a dude trying to share my point of view. But in modern psychology, there are viewing or varying viewpoints um, of human behavior. And um, those are split into what they call eight different perspectives. And that's what I was talking about is, <clears throat> you know, different perspectives. And, and I believe that these different perspectives, even in the world of psychology, are just the same as we have perspectives on our own when we look at things. And they, the simplest of all is always you look at a glass and one guy says what we all know it. The glass is half full to one guy and the other guy looks at it and he says the glass is half empty. And they say that's the easiest way to see whether you're a pessimist or an optimistic person. And optimistic obviously means that you see the best in things and the best in people and the best outcomes. And you look forward to the best happening. And the pessimistic person, you know, is a is always negative and they see the negative in everything. And everything they look at, they see what's going to go wrong and what's going to happen bad and all the dangers out there like we talked about earlier and uh, look at the news and look at the radio and look the, or look listen to the radio and uh, look at um, everything that we see left and right it's all bad 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 gloom and doom gloom and doom right that's a pessimist so um, that's the simplest form of perspectives and um, it kind of feeds into all forms of all things that we face and that we talk about so in a second here, we're going to get into um, all of the different types of, uh, of the um, types of psychology, our perspectives based on psychology. Um, so real quickly, um, I'm going to list them off here and then, uh, then we'll take a quick break and then uh, we will talk about them. So what's coming up? We're going to talk about the different viewpoints as one is biological, another is behavioral, Cognitive, there's, there's a fun word, humanistic, <laughs> psychodynamic, socioculture, evolutionary, and biopsychological. 
I felt like I was reading Jeopardy. I'll take Biopsychological for 400. Uh, that was a, not a really good joke, but hey, we're just gonna leave it on there. Maybe somebody laughed. Um, I'd laugh, but it's not cool to laugh your own jokes. So anyway, I did it anyway. Uh, we'll take a quick second here. Um, pause for a minute. Let you go grab a drink or uh, get a snack real quick. And we'll be back in a couple seconds to discuss these, uh, these subjects. Well, uh, hope you enjoyed, Joe enjoyed, I hope you enjoyed it, hope you enjoyed it, your snack, <laughs> hope you enjoyed your snack, your drink, or whatever you got, so uh, let's get into it here, um, what, uh, I guess, is the humanistic perspective, now these are again in psychological terms, and how psychologists deal with them, and what they've written, this is not my words, this is not my definitions or my own viewpoints. And of course, I'll give that, um, but this part isn't. So the humanistic perspective is an approach to psychology that emphasizes empathy and stresses the good in human behavior. In counseling and therapy, this approach allows, in, allows the psychologist to focus on ways to help improve an individual, an individual's self-image or self-actualization, the things that make them feel worthwhile. So talking about, you know, the humanistic approach here is that it, you know, emphasizes empathy and stresses the good in human behavior. And they basically tell you, you know, you're as, as a human there, you got to see the good. You got to you got to look at the good and you got to focus on improving, you know, your you know, how you feel about yourself and how you see yourself and, uh, you know, and, and, and look at, you know, look at your kids and look at your family, look at all the good you have in your life. And you just need to focus on that. And, and if you focus on that, then, uh, you know, then at the end of the day, you're going to be better. You're going to feel better. And so this is what they call the humanistic, the humanistic, uh, perspective, the humanistic approach. Is that right? Is that wrong? I'm not a psychologist, so I'm not going to say if it is right or wrong. It's just a perspective. So we'll look at another one here. Uh, another one is the biological perspective. <clears throat> so what is this? Again, not my words. Biological perspective is a way of looking at psychological issues by studying the physical basis for animal and human behavior. It is one of the major perspectives in psychology and involves such things as studying the brain, immune system, nervous system, and genetics. Okay, now my own talking. Um, and, and you heard it there. Basically, it is based on genetics. It's based on um, your, your genetic makeup, you know, who you are. And, you know, looking at, okay, because you have a chemical imbalance in the brain, which people do have that, that is a real thing. That's not something made up, but you know, you have a chemical imbalance and, uh, and because of that, it causes you to, um, get angry. It could be diabetes. It could be, could be, you know, any number of things. And, um, you know, based on uh, animalistic and human behaviors over time, over the years, it's uh, passed down through your genetic code. Your grandpa had anger issues, and your dad had anger issues, and so you have anger issues. Uh, your grandpa 
yeah. uh, suffered with stress and anxiety, and your dad suffered with stress and anxiety, and genetically you were passed down um, the stress and anxiety. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, the therapists say, uh, you got to break the cycle. You have to change that. You have to be the one that decides, I'm going to break the cycle. I'm going to break the chains. But, again, the biological perspective says that you can't because it's your genetic makeup. So that's one perspective. Uh, there is the cognitive perspective. The cognitive psychology is a school of psychology that examines internal mental processes such as problem-solving, memory, and language. It explicitly acknowledges the existence of internal mental states such as belief, desire, and motivation, unlike behaviorist psychology. So this one talks about the existence of your internal mental states, right? Your belief, your desire, your motivation. Um, so this one talks about more of the, the mindset of things and, you know, deciding that, um, you know, based on, based on, uh, you know, my, my problem solving and my memory, my language, um, I know, you know, there, there are mental issues, but, uh, but with belief, desire and motivation, um, I can decide that things can and will be better. And so it seems like that is what the, uh, the cognitive uh, perspective is. Um, another one, and again, I'm not going to dive into any of these or give my crazy viewpoint on them because uh, I can. Well, I've said it already. All right. The behavioral. Remember, the other one was unlike this one. So the behavioral psychology is a perspective that focuses on learned behaviors. <laughs> And this is one that, uh, you know, I've believed for a lot of years um, in this one myself. Um, but again, the perspective that focuses on learned behaviors, behaviorism, differs from many other perspectives because instead of emphasizing internal states, it focuses solely on observable behaviors. And so basically what this one is, states or says is that in behavioral perspective, it's that when kids have anxiety, it's because they learn from the parents. They watch the parents uh, uh, get stressed out and get worried and fret and freak out. And and so as they watch these things, you know, the father passed it down to the child and um, because they didn't know how to handle situations. They handled it with alcohol or they handled it with drugs or they handled it uh, with abuse or anger or fighting or cussing. And so it's to say that, um, because of that, uh, that's why the kids do it. That's why it's passed down to the next generation because, or, or why you got it because of what you saw as a kid. And so it's the behavioral perspective. Is that right? Is that wrong? Is it true? Is that false? It's a perspective. Um, and it's one that's used professionally in psychology, just like the rest of these. So moving right along. Uh, there's another one called psychodynamic perspective. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's a, that's a word there. I said a word. All right. Originally, in the work of Sigmund Freud, and that was a doctor. That was not the guys, you know, uh, that uh, played with the tigers. Okay. That the, the wasn't Sigmund Freud. That was, I don't know, what were these names? Siegfried and Roy? I don't know what their names were, but it wasn't this. Sigmund Freud was somebody else's. <laughs> Just making sure y'all know that. All right. Anyways, the psychodynamic perspective 
emphasizes unconsciousness psychological processes. For example, this would be your wishes and your fears of which you were not fully aware and contends that childhood experiences are crucial in shaping adult personality. Now, there's a lot to this perspective that I agree with as well. Um, But again, this, this one suggests that basically everything that you have now, your wishes, your fears, and things that are just so deep down inside of you Um, basically state that whatever happened to you as a child is what you carry into adulthood and is what shapes you to become the person that you are. And there are times where, you know, you, you, um, something happens and for whatever reason you're curled up in a ball in a corner crying somewhere, you're on the couch and you're shaking and you don't know why and you don't understand and it's because something happened that triggered something that happened in your childhood and because that happened now it has gripped you so much that you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say, you don't know where to go, you don't know how to act um, and you either shake or tremble or cry or or do many other things. Um, and it's based on what they call the psychodynamic perspective. Um, I really think um, there is some truth to that. Um, I do believe. Um, so moving along, there's another one called the sociocultural, that's another big word, perspective. This is a theory that's used in fields such as psychology and is used to describe awareness of circumstances surrounding individuals and how their beliefs are affected specifically by their surrounding social and cultural factors. So basically this goes into saying that a person acts and behaves, right, um, based on what is around them, based on, you know, if there's a bunch of people singing and dancing and happy, they're going to sing and dance and be happy. And and um, if they're in a setting where people are sad and loathing and uh, hating the world, then they're going to be sad and loathing and hating the world. And it's going to be based on their social gathering and their uh, uh, sociocultural perspectives. It says, you know, because all Hispanics are angry and macho, machismo, uh, then that's what I'm going to be because that's what I'm supposed to be, um, you know, kind of that, that thought process. Um, another one is evolutionary uh, psychology. Evolutionary psychology says um, or is a theoretical approach, theoretical, okay, is your keyword, through a theoretical approach to psychology that attempts to explain useful mental and psychological traits such as memory, perception, or language as adaptations, for example, as functional products of natural selection, meaning that as you evolved over time as a human or as we have, um, this thought and this theory says that over time we've developed these mental and psychological traits and with our memory and our perception of things uh, or our language and and we've adapted and uh, we've grown to um, where we're at and it's just basically uh, when they talk about natural selection it is that that's the hand that you were dealt and that's just the short straw or the card that you drew and that's why you are the way you are because uh, you're born into it naturally that's that's what you are (laughs) natural selection 
And uh, so one of the last ones I want to talk about, and remember there were eight perspectives that psychologists look at, uh, or eight main ones. Um, so the last one, the eighth one is biopsychosocial perspective. There's a word for you. Biopsychosocial. All right, this perspective is a medical model that attempts to demonstrate links between multiple body systems and human environment that create risks for illness. For instance, in recent decades, many links have been made between smoking, smog, and chemicals and the risks of contracting various kinds of cancers. And so this model looks at, you know, um, the different types of perspectives and uh, in the model in psychology and basically saying that there are, um, there's links uh, between multiple body systems in, in, in the environment. And, and those risks are, you know, being around certain people and being affected by um, their mindset and, and all that. And so these are um, just uh, psychologists' uh, perspectives and terms that are used in psychology as uh, treatments and um in order to help people and, and in order to show um, others, you know, um, or to show the different types of uh, psychological uh, thought and practice that's out there. And certainly there are therapists that could really dive into these things and and really explain the meaning behind them all. And, and uh, I, unfortunately, am, am not that one. Um, but what I can tell you from my own experience is that, um, I have been to a psychologist who, um, did help me, uh, tremendously. And one of the things that I, I noticed that he did, um, that was really helpful, that really made probably the biggest difference of all, and that made a lasting impression on me was, when I went into his office, I remember I would talk and talk and talk and talk. I'm, I'm a talker, right? That's why I'm doing podcasts. Um, but uh, he, would, he would ask a question, and I would answer. And then I would answer more, and I'd answer more. And, uh, and my wife would answer. And we'd go back and forth. And one of the things that uh, was prevalent was that he... He wasn't one of those to give a quick response. He like so many, they're not listening to you. They're not hearing you. They don't really care. Um, most people like to talk. Um, you ever heard the term that says God gave you two ears and one mouth because you should listen twice as much as you talk. And if you listen twice as much, then you might not say as much as you say. Right? Um he was one of those that would just listen and observe. And, and even when he would talk, he would begin, he would say, I, well, um, and he would pause and he'd take a breath and he'd think and he'd think. And then he'd say, well, maybe it is, or it could be, or perhaps, but I'm not really sure, but I think, I believe. And, um, and just start going down that road of trying to unlock and uncover and, uh, figure out, you know, what the issues or what the problems were with what I was dealing with at the time. And, um, so much respect, um, uh, for this person and for this, uh, for this doctor that just, um, it just helped me uncover and get through so much dealing with my dad and with losing him and, 
uh, not realizing the, the how that affected my marriage and how that affected my relationships with my friends and with family and um, you know how I allowed that to happen because there was just grief that I I just didn't know how to deal with I didn't know um, you know how to handle it and what I should and shouldn't be saying and who I should trust and who I shouldn't trust and I just I just didn't know what to do. And, um, and so it affected my marriage and we're in marriage counseling and little did I know that there was things that I needed to do. It's funny cause you go to marriage counseling and the first thing you say is, well, I'm here doc, fix her, you know, or I'm here doc, fix him. And the truth is when you walk in there, it's really, there's a lot that you need to fix yourself. Um, because wherever you go, there you are and your problem is never further than yourself. Um, in most cases, your problem is you. And uh, this is one of the things that I learned, um, you know, going to therapy and going to counseling. And so talking about perspectives and how everyone has their own perspective of what is a tragedy, what is a loss, what is painful, what it hurts, what... And, um, and, and some people have learned to um, get to the stage where they'll communicate and say things like, uh, you know, I don't understand, I don't know, uh, but I'm sorry you're going through that. Um, there's uh, people that will use the opportunity when you tell them about your story uh, or what you're going through, they try to relate, and so they try to come up with a story that seems very uh, closely related because they want to seem relatable to you because they feel like that will help you. Um but I can say that most people have selfish motives, really. Um, there are things that people have said over the years um, to me, uh, and I know um, others who have been through tragedy and loss and unexpected loss. Um, you know, I, I, I don't speak for everyone, but um, I would venture to say that there's probably a few that uh, will understand my next points. Um so one is, you know, people walk up to you, put put their hand on your shoulder, they look you in the eye, they give you that hug and that shake, and they say, ah, I know exactly how you feel right now. And that's the moment you think in your mind, you're like, dude, you have no idea how I feel. Why would you tell me that you know exactly how I'm feeling and uh, probably one of the worst things that um, that you really could say to somebody because exactly what they're going to think because you're not me you don't walk through my shoes you don't know what it took for me to get to this point you don't know what I've been through you don't know how I feel and you don't know how I'm handling it so there's no way you could know exactly how I feel unless you were me from somebody that's been through uh, grief and tragedy and loss, I can tell you, from my perspective, that wasn't the right thing to say. Um, you know, when people, you know, look at somebody and they say, hey, man, why why are you so depressed? Well, buddy, if I knew the answer, I wouldn't be depressed, would I? That's a stupid thing to ask me. Why am I depressed? I, dude, I don't know why in the hell I'm depressed. I just know I'm going through something. And if I could put my finger on it and pinpoint it and figure it out, I'd get out of it, you know. Um, but the other caveat to that is, um, you know, they, they just they just ask you that. And people assume that 
you know, going back to these perspectives of, you know, just, and this is something that I've said myself over the years. I've been guilty of saying this and not realizing, um, not realizing that it, 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 uh, it doesn't, it's not helpful. <laughs> Let me put it that way. And this is prior to me facing my own trials and my own tragedies in my own life. Um, you know, I would tell my wife many times over the years, uh, thinking I was helping her, I would say, hey, what you need to do is just suck it up and uh, move past it and get stronger. And, and uh, you know, it's okay to be sad for a little while, but you, you got to put it behind you and you got to be strong and you just got to, you got to move forward. And, you know, and, and why don't you consider all that we, you know, you have in life and you're you're happy, right? You got two kids and you got a, a big house and you got these cars and you got a good job and you got this and you got that and you got, guess what? That doesn't help somebody who's in a depressive state or who's feeling down or who's going through something. Um, the fact that you can try to relate to them and try to get them to focus on the good in their life, um, you know, usually um, they're not in a place of thinking rationally um, that you telling them to just simply snap out of it is <laughs> is not going to work. I wish it were that easy. Um, one of the things that we had a uh, psychologist at our church usually uh, recently um, talk about one of the terms to uh, things not to say to people, um, they had talked about how, um, you know, the, the phrase that time heals all wounds. And uh, I was like, man, when I had heard that part, I was like, wow, you know, um, that's like the verse in the Bible. All things work together for good. Then the called according to his purpose, um, you know, in time. Uh, it heals everything. You're gonna, you're gonna get there. And uh, what the what the psychologist that I heard said was, if that were true, old people wouldn't have problems because they were so old. In time, you know, all their wounds would be healed. She said, then why do old people, as they get old, get sicker and have more problems? That's not true. So it isn't just time. It it takes. There are things that it takes. Um, you know, in order to move forward. And um, when people seek to help people, most of the time it's uh, for selfish reasons. They either want the self-gratification or how it feels to, you know, help somebody else internally. Um, now, there are things that you, you can say to people and there are things that you can reach out and, and ways that you can communicate with others. And the way to do that is to really understand, is to really listen. If you really listen to a person and what they say, and just pause for a second. Don't don't feel like you need to talk. Don't feel like you have to get a word in and you gotta tell your story and you gotta say, Oh, you did that. Well I did this you know, or you're going through that. Well, this is what I did, and this is... And there is a time and a place to share your story and to share what you've been through and and um, to share your own life experiences. Um, but I can tell you that one of the best things to do is to really get on a person's level and really see them and really get in a place where you have completely removed um, your needs, your wants, your desires, or what you're going to get out of this and you truly sit down with this person and you truly say, hey, I'm here to help you. I want to help you. Um, you know, and then you just you just get in there and you ask him, you know, 
Um, you know, I, basically one of the biggest things is, is that, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know what the answer is to that. I don't know what the solution is. But I'm here. I'm with you. I'll walk with you. I'll go with you through this journey that you're on in this uh, ravine or valley or low hill that you're facing and you're going through. I will walk through it with you. I'll go through this with you. You don't have to walk it alone. You don't have to go through it alone. You know, I'm here and I love you. And be there. Be there for somebody. That's that's what we need to hear when we're facing these times. We don't need to hear lectures on what we should and shouldn't be doing and hearing or, you know, things that say, uh, you know, how... Um, you know, how, how we should operate or how we should uh, move forward. You just really need somebody to really listen and then um, not listen like most people do where um, I'm listening just enough so I can think about um, what I want to say next, but really listening heartfelt and um, be just being there. Um, so... Um, in talking about these perspectives, and I know we started talking about kids and, you know, uh, the things that they're facing and they're going through and um, just thinking about life in general and, um, you know, what's next in life. And I can tell you that I've, I've sat and I've thought about, you know, from my own perspective, I've thought about what are my next, what are my next steps what do I hope to achieve next? Where do I want to go? Do I have goals? Do I have aspirations? Do I have dreams? Do uh, What do I want? What do I want from life? What do I want next? Um, and sometimes I don't have the answer. And sometimes I let things like uh, fear and anxiety um, take over and take control. Sometimes I let stress and worry and fear and, and fretting take over. And, uh, and uh, you know, I can think about, you know, when I was a kid, uh, you know, I grew up in church. And I, I think about how, you know, back then I was taught things like, you know, if you, uh, <clears throat> if you just uh, fight it this way, you know, you're, you're going to be better. Fight it with scripture. You know, you know what the Bible says about that. Um, you know, and, and don't have any fear. And God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but love and of wisdom and a sound mind. And uh, I don't doubt that, and I'm not mocking the Bible in any way. Um, but uh, I just remember just growing up around, you know, pastors and preachers and Sunday school teachers and all these people just saying, you know, you just you just trust Jesus and it's going to work. And, uh, and then seeing them fall apart and trust in Jesus and, and dying. And the truth is, you know, God gave us doctors and he gave them wisdom and he gave us tools and he gave us things to understand and things to do. And, and so as much as I believe God is a great physician and healer and Jesus is, and, and I think there are things that he wants to heal in our, uh, in our bodies and our minds, but a lot of it takes work too from us, um, to have that desire. So, um, I just, I just know I remember just being told certain things as a kid and, um, you know, even for, from the perspective of, um, you know, my own dad and, and from his generation to mine, 
from my brothers, you know, and how they think th- about things and friends and how they think about things and coworkers and how they think about things and myself and my children and how they think about things and my wife and how she thinks about things. It's crazy just in my own household between myself, my two children and my wife, all of us have our own perspective on how we see things and how we think things are supposed to be or should be or, or, um, or what's the best approach to handle it. Um, I sit in meetings all day where everybody has their own agenda and, you know, people think that, well, their way is going to be the best way and their perspective and the way that they see it, you know, um, Today, if you get a chance or sometime this week, really, instead of having a quick answer, pause for a minute. Put yourself in that person's shoes that you're talking to. Look at things from their perspective. Consider their situation. Consider their life. Consider what they're going through. Pause. Don't think about yourself. Don't even think about how you would handle yourself in their situation. Because all you're doing then is still being selfish. You're still thinking about you. But rather see them completely. See them, see what they're going through. Understand what they're facing. And see them for real. Feel for them. Be there for them. Try loving somebody. Try doing something for somebody. Try looking at the world through their eyes. Look at their perspective. Look at what they're going through. You might be able to help somebody. If you just, for a moment, put yourself to the side, put what you think to the side, put your ideologies and your thought processes and what works for you and what's best for you, and look at them. Pause for a moment. Look at their life. Look at what they're going through. Talk to them. You say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know what they're perspective is well get to know them if you want to help them or you don't have to say anything at all befriend somebody you know listen listen to what they have to say listen to their perspective listen to their thought and just simply say hey i don't know what it all means buddy but i'm here i don't know the answer but i'm here you know and uh you may be the person that's going through something that seems insurmountable might be the word uh, but just seems massive and it's something that you're like I can't get through this and I've never felt pain and hurt and and I've never felt so low in my life and I just don't even have the strength to get back up and I need help and I need somebody and I need something and I just I just don't know what to do and that's you you're the person that's in that situation and you're looking for somebody you know, I encourage you, you know, from my own, again, this is my own uh, life and my own story, but, I, you know, I had to give those things to God. You know, he's the only being in the in the universe and the vastness of it that can shoulder the burden and shoulder whatever it is you're going through and then find a friend that you can trust. Somebody that when you speak to confidently and you say, listen, I'm going through this. I need you to listen. I need you not to judge me. And I need you to be there for me. You know, and, and find that that friend or that brother or that sister that you trust. And, and hopefully you can bear your burdens to them. 
But is there an answer that we say, you know what, out of all these different perspectives, this is the way to do it. This is the way that works. This is the way that works. And I was trying to write a song there. <laughs> there, Who knows? Everybody has a different perspective. It's so true. Um, but not just as everyone have a different perspective of how they think there is to resolve things. When you're going through something, you have a perspective of where you're at and where you want to be based on what? Based on your perspective of how you see your situation. And so it could be if you put a man out on the ocean and the waves are rolling and uh, and it seems pretty dangerous and stormy and you put two guys out on the ocean in a boat and one might think, oh man, this is amazing, this is fun. I can't believe this. I get to be out on the real rapids out on the ocean and they're fishing and they come back and they talk about how great their trip was. Well, another guy's below deck. He's scared. He sees the storm. He's freaking out. Um, and he comes back and tells the story of how he almost died. And the two men are telling the story to each other and find out they're on the same boat. It's just two different perspectives. They both saw it differently. They both experienced it differently. They both faced it differently. And they both had different outcomes. Who was right? Who was wrong? Who's to say? But at the end of the day, I would choose happiness over depression, anxiety, and fear. Um, but as we talked about perspectively, it's not always a choice. You know, there are people, and, and I've seen them, I've been friends with them, I've, um, over the years, but there are people that have things that, um, in my own family, I've seen, you know, onset of something that just hits, hits them or hits you and out of nowhere. And why? Why did that hit me? Um, myself, I'll be sitting there and a memory will cross my mind. Where did that come from? Why did I think of that? Why did that hit me then? And how in the world do I get myself out of this feeling that I am now stuck in? Perspectively, I'm sure that Everyone has a different answer to that. Um, but we've been talking for an hour. There's a lot of ground to cover, like I said, on this. I haven't even scratched the surface. Um, there's a lot more that I do want to talk about and a lot more that I want to cover as we talk about um, the things that are up to come, up to up and coming and um, talking about what is next for what's next. Um, I'm hoping to have Andre back on as co-host. Um, he is taking on another job role and job function um, where he's at, which consumes a lot of his time. And so uh, we've talked about it. I'm going to try to get him back out here as a co-host. If not, uh, I will try to find one, um, try to find a good co-host um, that would like to come on. During this season, um, I plan to collaborate uh, with Just Breathe Podcast um, with Mr. Delion over there. I plan, plan to uh, uh, collab with him and get him on the show this season um we plan to have on a few others uh come on and tell their stories and their what's next um so a lot uh, a lot of things will be happening this season um i plan to try to uh open up and talk about some chapters and things in my life that have happened um to me that um i'm not sure uh I'm not really sure how to explain some of them, um, but there are some things that, you know, happened to me as a child and as a young man and, and uh, 
and you know going forward and and how these things affected me no i was not assaulted or molested or abused in any way um, but there were things that did happen to me mentally um that uh, that i carry that you know i carry on um, based on one act or one word or one experience and uh, so i believe i really believe that things are onset at childhood um and you can carry those on uh, because I've lived it. Um, but that doesn't mean it's the same truth for everybody. So anyway, we'll be back. Um, hopefully next week we'll have our next episode, either with a co-host or a, or a guest, or we'll continue off of this uh, topic that we've been on about um, perspectives. So hope you enjoyed the uh, hour. I'm looking forward to talking next um, remember, as always, if you have any crisis, please uh, dial your any your local emergency numbers and um, get help. Don't wait till it's too late. If you're depressed or you're feeling anxious or you're going through something, um, call 911. Get a hold of a treatment center and um, get help. Get help. Get help. Get help. Um, do not wait till it's too late and do not wait until no one can help you. Get help while you can. All right. Thank you for taking your time out. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for next time for more. What's, What's next? next? Hey.